This week, we're talking about the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine, from events seven years before to sanctions and what to expect. You're listening to Politics Schmaltics, and this is the week of 3 13 2022. Hello, everyone. I hope you've been having a nice couple of weeks. And uh, buckle up, because this first story is pretty long, and it has a lot of information coming at you folks. So as I said, buckle up. Russia wasn't bluffing this time. It wasn't just another chance to get advantages in peace talks, and it wasn't another fake military exercise. Even the president of Ukraine himself had assured everyone that the West was just making a big deal out of everything. But folks... February 20th came, and it became relevant that Russia was preparing to attack. And three days later, on the 23rd, Ukraine's president himself made a last-minute bid directly to the people of Russia, speaking in Russian, talking about how the people of Russia probably don't know much of what's happening right now. But his country's border with Russia has Russian troops stationed throughout it. And whatever lies Putin is spreading to justify this invasion, they aren't true. Russia and Ukraine used to be the same country, and they're the same people. They just want peace. But if Russia was to attack, they wouldn't be seeing the backs of the Ukrainians fleeing. The Ukrainians would defend themselves. Now folks, this didn't just happen out of plain air. Last year, back in March, Russia held a um, so-called military exercise, where troops were sent to the Ukraine-Russia border. Now, it was a pretty big issue back then, but it never really got to the point that there was enough military power mass to to successfully invade, such as this time. And folks, going back about over 30 years, back in 1991, Russia and Ukraine, they they were both part of the same country just 30 years ago. And it was called the Soviet Union. It was this humongous communist country, and it remained a country for 69 years, but Eventually, in 1991, the Soviet Union fell apart, and Ukraine, Georgia, Kazakhstan, and 12 other countries came out independent. Now, folks, Putin came into power as Russia's second president, and he became their fourth president. And we've talked about how he's publicly spoken about how he believes Ukraine has has no right to have its own independent country, and that it was basically Russia that created Ukraine. And it's not all like this. This wasn't the first time that Russia invaded Ukraine. There were tensions between them much before this. Back in 2014, after Ukrainian citizens overthrew a pro-Russian president, Russia decided to invade parts of Crimea and install a pro-Russian government there. Now, adding up to the current invasion... Russia, they tried to pull the, uh, they tried to pull the we're taking our troops from the border card, but no one really bought into it. You know, maybe they were trying to make it seem like the military exercise last year, but no one believed it this time, folks. In fact, during this time when they were claiming they were pulling out troops, the number of troops at the border actually increased. And eventually, February 24th, with over 170,000 soldiers, Russia invaded. Folks, as soon as the invasion began, the sanctions came along with it. The U.S. and the West cut off some of Russia's banks' access to SWIFT. Uh, It's a secure messaging service for banks to send payment orders. And it may not seem like that big of a blow to Russia, 
but SWIFT is where bank transactions are made. And if all of Russia's banks were to be cut off from SWIFT, that would decrease their economy by 5%. And 5 it's a small number, but that's tens of billions of dollars we're talking about, folks. Um, they, the U.S. also placed sanctions, which we talked about before. They're essentially these types of restrictions added on exporting or importing products. And in some cases, it could just be where a country won't allow any products from a certain country. And so they place these sanctions on Russian elites, the few that have a huge portion and a lot of political influence, and also the very Russian businessmen and their families who helped fund Putin's invasion. The U.S. also placed sanctions targeting the Russian military, as well as other sanctions cutting off Russia's access to modern technology. Plus, they froze money Russia had with U.S. financial systems. Now, Germany, on the other hand, they blocked the certification of the Nord Stream gas pipeline. We talked about we talked about that a couple of episodes ago. It's it's essentially this 750 mile long pipeline that goes from Russia to Germany. Now, folks, Russia is the world's second largest producer of oil, and Europe is heavily reliant on Russian oil, with Russia supplying 40% of Europe's gasoline. Shutting off the pipeline isn't like shutting down any oil at all coming into Europe from Russia, because the pipeline never started pumping oil. But it's a major step into lowering Europe's reliance on Russian energy, Plus, it's going to be a pretty big blow on Russia's economy. This was a lot of revenue coming in for them if it was approved. In addition to that, Europe made a pledge to cut their dependency on Russian gas by two-thirds by the end of this year. And by 2030, they should have no reliance on Russian energy. Meanwhile, on the other hand, the U.S. and Great Britain, they banned all Russian oil in their countries, but they're not nearly as reliant as Europe is on Russian oil. Europe also sanctioned everything from steel imports all the way to caviar. No one can tell how long this war is going to continue, and it's very clear that Putin didn't even expect the Ukrainians to make it this far. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying that Russia like barely got through the border. Russia is still the much stronger force, and they have occupied a lot of Ukraine. But I think what Putin had in mind was this quick, maybe week-long invasion. And it doesn't seem he prepared well enough for this long of an attack either. There is footage of Russian soldiers raiding grocery stores for food. And Ukrainian, Ukrainian officials have said that Russian soldiers only came with rations for three days. And we're nearing the third week of the invasion. Putin is installing, well, he's planning to install governments in areas of Ukraine that are Russian-occupied, and the governments are ran by those that Putin and Russia approve of. So they're basically expanding the political outreach and influence Russia has without, you know, technically having to occupy the region. And folks, all of this is taking a ton of time. Sure, Russia wasn't prepared to be in Ukraine for this long of a time, but it's not like they're retreating all of a sudden. And the question comes up, how long can Russia afford to do this? I mean, sanctions are sort of the U.S. and NATO's, and as I said in a couple of episodes ago, NATO is a group formed of U.S., Canada, Germany, France, United Kingdom, as well as 25 other countries in Europe. And as I said, sanctions are a sort of way of economically affecting a country and sort of shooting their shots at Russia. But this way, they don't really have to get physically involved, and it's, it's a more traditional way of condemning a country. 
However, folks, traditionally sanctions are tools that are usually used to degrade a country's economy over time, not over the course of a few weeks or months. And even though it's expected that this invasion will set back Russia's economy's growth by 30 years, that still doesn't seem to be enough for Russia. I mean, the possibilities are limited. What else can the U.S. and NATO do without dealing too much damage to their own economies? I mean, I don't know about you, but gas prices have skyrocketed. I remember not too long ago, just back in 2020, you could easily find gas for $1.90. And now, folks, at least where I live, the, the most affordable gas prices you can find are $4.50. That's a pretty big jump in price, folks. And I did talk earlier that the U.S. banned all Russian imports of oil, but that's not really the reason for this large jump in price, at least in America. It's because of the global oil market. That market isn't, it's not just based on what U.S. does, and it isn't just based on Europe's issues with oil. It's a global market. So if prices are going up in one country, it's going to affect the whole market. If Europe's going to avoid buying Russian oil, then they're going to buy it from other sources. And folks, when the pandemic came, oil prices fell a ton because many were working from home. They weren't really driving and heading out a lot. And then... The demand for gas, it went down a whole lot. And now, all of a sudden, America's returning back to in-person work, school, and other activities. And throwing in the fact that now, all of a sudden, Europe needs another source of gas because they're going to try avoiding Russian oil, prices are bound to go up. And so, the West is taking their hit out of this war, but Russia is still taking the majority of the blow. But really, how much more can the West and NATO do to get Russia to end this invasion without getting, you know, physically involved and risking starting World War III, potentially. At this point, the U.S. is sending in $800 million in aid to provide Ukraine with weapons to counter Russia's attacks. Now, folks, all men 18 through 60 have to stay in Ukraine, and they are wanted to join the army, but there is no age or gender restrictions, so men or women older or younger than the age limit could also enroll for the army. Women, the elderly, and children are allowed to leave the country. Two million have done so, and many of them evacuate to surrounding countries such as Poland, Romania, and Moldova. Now, folks, there are humanitarian quarters, which are these zones that the war has been moved away from it so that citizens can make it to safety. So Russia has established these humanitarian quarters, but they all lead into Russia. And it is evacuating people from the war, but at the same time, it's leading them into the country that they originally didn't even want to be part of. Folks, you know what the wackiest part of all of this? It's that most of the people of Russia have no idea what's actually going on. Only a few thousand have gone out to protest, and they've taken a huge risk by doing so. But this country has a population of 140 million, so that just shows you the contrast. Um, The Russian government, they've essentially brainwashed the citizens of Russia, and they've made it so that if you call the war that Russia is currently in with Ukraine, if you call that a war, you could get up to 15 years of jail time. Um, And many well-known news sites such as CNN, BBC, and ABC have had to stop their reporting in Russia due to this. 
state-funded news channels, which are Russian government-funded, which are really the only news channels that are easily accessible. They've been calling this war a special military operation. And Putin has been pushing claims that he's going to apparently denazify and demilitarize Ukraine. He's not making it seem like an unprovoked war at all. But in truth, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, his own grandfather, fought against the Nazis in World War II. So Putin's saying that he's going to denazify the country. It's, it's, he's just making up a bunch of stuff. But the people of Russia, there aren't many accessible, way, accessible ways for them to know better. This is what they know. And folks, coming into the war, Zelensky wasn't seen as a leader with the skills to lead Ukraine through a crisis. Before becoming president, he was actually an actor. And fun fact, he actually acted as the president of Ukraine in a TV series. And then he became president. It's kind of cool. But basically, before the invasion, his approval was at 31%. But once Russia invaded, he sort of proved that he could become this great war leader. And he essentially became the voice of the Ukrainian people, constantly tweeting up videos of the damage and also videos of him speaking about how Russia was bombing peaceful cities who hadn't even done a thing to deserve this. Um, Zelensky is constantly met with lawmakers around the world. Just a couple of days ago, he met with U.S. Congress, and he's been a humongous motivation for action for for governments around the world. He's even gone as far as to decline a U.S. offer to evacuate him, saying that instead what Ukraine needed was ammunition. All in all, folks... There's really no way of telling how long this war will last or what the outcome would be. It doesn't seem very likely that Russia would choose to occupy Ukraine. So maybe a puppet government could be installed. And a puppet government is essentially what we've talked about this earlier. They're governments that aren't officially of the country they're put into power by. But in reality, the government, they're chosen by the people who installed them because they would carry out the best interests of the people who installed them. And who knows, maybe, maybe the sanctions might actually work. Maybe it doesn't even go that far. Maybe Russia might actually pull out of Ukraine because, you know, their economy is going through a beating. It's it's not going well. Maybe they'll actually pull out. But that's not, that's not insanely likely to happen, folks. And Putin, he did come out with a list of agreements for Ukraine. And they're not as like bad and torturous as it would seem it's it's making sure that ukraine doesn't join nato and they would take away all weapons from ukraine so that they're not known to be a threat to russia and there are other terms that haven't really been revealed in detail yet but it still would sacrifice a lot of ukraine's pride but it would also stop the bloodshed but at the end of the day like an unpredictable country like russia If you would want them to demilitarize you and take away all your weapons, I mean, folks, it doesn't seem like Russia's the type of country to keep their word. And folks, the end of the day, the entire war, it's a a dumb move. No one has gained anything. Putin has ruined so many people's lives. And I, I was, you know, honestly, coming like a couple of weeks ago, I was wondering why movies would always have some secret Russian spy operative in them. Or when there are literally 200 other countries in the world that they could have chosen from. But for some reason, all movies have some secret Russian spy. But now I understand why. It's the thing that happens when a government builds that type of reputation for themselves.
folks, that was pretty much it for this week. But we still do have one more weekly roundup. The Parental Rights and Education Bill, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill, is on the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis' desk. The bill would stop talk about sexual orientation, so which gender you're attracted to, and gender identity, the gender someone identifies as. And it would stop these conversations in classroom from grades kindergarten through third grade. But the way the bill is written makes it so that the law could extend even further than those grades. So if someone was to even have a question about being gay or bisexual, it would be illegal for a teacher to properly answer. Now, folks, you don't really have to be pro-LGBTQ to be against this bill. All you have to do is put yourself in their shoes and imagine if a major part of you and your life was to be made illegal to have a discussion about with a teacher or in a class. For example, I'm a Muslim. I certainly wouldn't feel great at all if my religion wasn't talked about in class, just so parents can have greater control over their child's education. If anything, this bill would leave a child so unprepared for the real world that once they're out of these classrooms, they wouldn't know what to expect. And folks, that was pretty much it for this week. If you like this episode, please feel free to, th- to subscribe to our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to politicsmolitics2020 at gmail.com. You'll get an email every single time I release a new episode. Nothing else, nothing to clutter your inbox. Also, folks, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Great way of making this podcast bigger and great way of giving me feedback. Also, feel free to spread the word with anyone, really. You were listening to Politics Politics, and this was the week of 3-13-2022.